It is Health and Wellbeing and Peter Mullen. Great to be back with you, sir. I haven't missed you for a few weeks. Yeah, I've missed you too, Mark. That's not right. been the same without you. I'm sure the gang looked after you while I was away. Yeah. They did. They did. They, they did. Very they did. well, but still not quite the same. All righty. A very interesting topic today. Uh, we're going to be having a glass of milk or maybe not having a glass of milk. You've got the topic of why dairy isn't your friend. Well, it is a, it's a, a bit of a controversial area. Mm. And um, hopefully there's a few different ways of looking at it that might, um, you know, bring a few facts to light. But um, us naturopaths for years have always been, you know, sort of people expect when you see naturopath, they're going to... They're going to recommend that you cut out gluten and dairy. So I thought we talked about gluten, I think, last week or the week before. So I thought we'd talk, touch on dairy products again as today as well. Like you said, it's controversial. It asks a few questions. The main one of those, why dairy isn't your friend. Uh, so why are some of the reasons that you're thinking that we should be ditching the dairy? Well, probably the the first one that comes to mind, first one that comes to mind is um, what's called lactose intolerance. Mm-hmm. So lactose, and this is, it's interesting actually because um, well, I think everything's interesting, which is, probably means I need to which is interesting. get out and have more of a life, really. Um, but it's interesting, I think, because lactose is, so lactose is a sugar in milk, and lactose is actually made up of glucose and galactose joined together. So when we eat lactose, when we drink cow's milk, like we have, and just interesting, another interesting point, like lactose, milk's half, think of milk as half sugar, half pro, half carb, half protein. So oh. for anyone trying to lose weight, if they're drinking too much milk, it's going to be harder because there's a fair bit of sugar in milk. Anyway, back to the story. So um, when we drink milk, you know, lactose goes into our system and normally in the little distal ends of our villi, the little um, shag-like carpet, things that line our gut wall what should ha- like that's where we produce lactase so lactase is an enzyme and we need lactase because we need to break that lactose into glucose and galactose so we can absorb it so same when babies are born in breast milk there's lactose as well or milk sugar so we need lactase to break down for babies to be able to break down um, lactose so they can digest it so when we're younger we should have higher levels of lactase available to us as we get older, we, there's a possibility we don't produce as much lactase. And what happens, some of this lactose now ends up moving through the gut. It stays together, bound together as lactose. ends up in the large bowel where it gets fermented by different bacteria. And that creates a lot of the problems we associate with the lactose intolerance. And I guess it comes back to promoting the, the, the good versus the bad uh, gut bacteria uh, yeah absolutely well. absolutely so lactose so lactose intolerance is quite well known you can actually buy lactose free milk lactose free products and for some people that are just lactose intolerance that definitely helps um, you can also get a, um, a little bottle of lactase and you can add a couple of drops to things to break the lactose down into glucose and galactose Oh, a nice a way of balancing that out if that's a problem for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, but the challenge, and also too, everyone's familiar now with the FODMAP diet. So, FODMAP diet is a diet looking at um, all the possible sugary type substances in different foods that, if they're not broken down properly, they can end up in their large bowel. So, lactose or milk's been or lactose is included in the FODMAP diet. So, same sort of concept, but it's all to do with that enzyme. So you imagine the, the levels our en- that enzyme should be at the highest for any animal species is when we're breastfeeding. So that's one argument is that why should we continue to eat another animal's breast milk 
after we've been weaned and we're on to solid food. Regular food, because the rest of the animal kingdom just doesn't do that. They doesn't have the do milk, that. They grow up and they eat everything else. Yeah, mm. yeah, and we'll come we'll come back to that in a minute. So, uh, what about some other things though that uh, that 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 can give us, uh, I guess, health problems in terms of being unable to when it becomes more difficult to digest? Um, well, for some people, it's the protein in the milk. Okay. So, a lot of babies that are born, like I see, so many um, parents bringing young kids in that have right from the start have terrible gut issues, you know, green poos. Um, vomiting, um, really severe gut issues. And often it's because they've been put on a dairy-based formula. You know, maybe mum couldn't breastfeed or even if mum could breastfeed, uh, once they were started to introduce um, food, often the, the first thing that a baby's introduced to um, if, if a mother's not breastfeeding or can't breastfeed for any reason is a, a cow milk-based formula. So a lot of young kids, young babies these days are having reactions to the milk proteins. So that shows up as in, you know, gut issues, reflux, or even just um, if your baby's sort of really colicky and, you know, always suffers, like struggles after you have a feed or, you know, bad sleeper, some of that can relate back to an intolerance or, or an they can have an allergy to those milk proteins or they can have an intolerance to those milk proteins. Now, while we're talking about kids, like a lot of um, kids that um, I would see that, you know, come into our practice with, say, eczema, or asthma, um, I'll often find that they are they're on a high cow's milk based diet, and or cow's milk formula diet, and it's one of the first things we try and reorganise with their food. We might try and recommend I might try and recommend they try a goat's milk based um, baby formula, and for some kids that makes a massive difference with them. You know, not getting their eczema calms down, their asthma clears up. Where I've, where I've, and this sounds, this definitely sounds like an old wives' tale, but um, where I've seen the the consistently the biggest result with kids' improvement in their health coming off dairy is where kids are in a cycle of reoccurring ear infections, and ear infections are on the increase. And then the treatment these days, because it's hard for antibiotics to treat ear infections, they end up usually having to have a grommet put in. And the grommet's like a plastic tube where they actually perforate the eardrum and that allows any muck or, or fluid to sort of come away. And um, grommets can be great for really breaking that cycle. But so many of my kids over the years that I've seen with recurring ear infections often will have a lot of milk in their diet. When they cut out milk, again, like an old wives' tale, but when they cut out milk, they don't seem to get the ear infections like they did. It seems to drop away. Yeah, for, mm. for, for, for a for certain some. percentage yeah. of kids, yeah. Peter Mullen, and this week around why dairy isn't your friend, and uh, Peter sort of chronicalised, I guess, some of the potential health concerns that that come up. But there is uh, a few other versions of milk, I guess, that you want to have a look at. Now, one was homogenised milk, Peter. What are your thoughts on that? Um, just before we get into that, if it's all right, Mate, this is on your sheet. You provide me with the information. I just read oh, what's no, on. I, I like to segue. It just makes me look silly. <laughs> so before we get on to what you want me to ask you, you have the floor, Peter. Go. Thank you, Mark. That's why I've missed you for two weeks. Um, it was one of, dairy is one of those things like uh, over the years, you know, again, where kids come in and they've got, you know, eczema, um, runny nose all the time, a chesty, rattly cough all the time, recurring ear infections. You know, often as a trial period, like, and that's the thing with, you know, we're talking about gluten last week and dairy. I'm not an advocate that everybody should all the time to like avoid gluten and dairy. Mm. I'm an advocate for people really working out themselves what foods suits them and what foods don't. 
and particularly with dairy, particularly with kids, like a lot of mums almost panic straight away because they're straight away concerned about their kids and calcium. You know, we've been so ingrained with the idea that dairy is the best source of calcium and if you're a mother and you don't give your kids milk, you're a negligent mother and, you know, you're going to break your hip next time you step off the footpath. And it's not necessarily true. Like the, the or firstly, so what I say to mums is, look, let's give it a go. If we cut out dairy just for a couple of weeks, mm. if we see a significant improvement, then yeah. it's worthwhile continuing with. If you Because if your child's eating a food, and keep in mind, milk is actually a food, it's not a drink. Yeah, we can tend food. to forget that, can't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of my mums will say that, you know, well, my kid won't eat anything. So at least when I know they're having dairy, I know they're having something good. Mm. But I've seen it time and time again that a lot of kids that have reactivity or intolerance to dairy will fill up on dairy. All they'll want to do is eat milk, cheese and ice cream. And it's only when you and they won't eat other foods. So then they're sort of picky eaters. So it's only when you take the dairy off them or give them an alternative for a period of time that all of a sudden they'll start to eat a wider range of food. So so if, you, if your kid's got, or if you've got problems with dairy, there's no point having it because you're not going to absorb the calcium well anyway. And we'll talk a bit more about some calcium sources, but I just wanted to point that out again. Like I'm not advocating that everybody, you know, don't have dairy and don't have gluten, but just if you're getting gut symptoms, if your kids have allergies or intolerances, or like we were talking about in the break, if you, you know, sometimes a bit more mucusy than you'd like to mm. be, then yeah. um, you know it's worthwhile just watching what you're doing and, and seeing what works for you. So, Peter, the problem with homogenized milk. Yes, now homogenized... I'll, I'll stop quoting your your, your information now. <laughs> so the story is that um, uh, with homogenized milk um, is that when you what homogenizing means mm. is you know when you have fresh milk and I my uncles um, I my uncle and um, family have had dairy farms up at Gloucester for years and years mm. and years and the hardest working people I know and. Um, you know, again, really conscious about So, so about the process that. itself, what actually happens to <laughs> the milk with uh, homogenized All right, we'll get back to the script now. Yeah. All right. Um, so with homogenized milk, so you know when you have milk and there's cream on top mm-hmm. and then milk underneath, homogenizing means that you whip the two together and you, you break the fat down into very small fat particles. Now, there's a concern with some people that these very small fat particles may be absorbed very easily across the gut wall and in the bloodstream may actually be associated with, you know, crossing that arterial wall and maybe even associated with hardening of the arteries and plaque formation. Because it's been broken down to because a point that so it'll, just, small. it'll just whip through there like yep. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's the theory. So, And that's why, you know, if you do have dairy products, I would recommend that you go for full fat products, not, um, you know, because since the, the age of everything low fat or non-fat, um, you know, everyone's got a bit crazy with that. So definitely go for the full fat stuff. The other, sorry. Yeah, you keep going. You're on a roll, Peter. (laughs) You don't need me. The other, the other concern that I have about, um, about cow's milk is just the fact that it's full of, full to the brim with cow hormones. So if you think about this, like if you're, if you've got a breast milk or a cow feeding a potty calf and you're trying to turn that baby calf into a pretty big steer within 12 months, you've got cow growth hormone, um, which can have an insulin growth hormone-like effect on um, abnormal cells in our body. So there's 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 growth hormone, which has been linked to um, increased risk of cancer, all sorts of issues. Maybe that's why our kids are all bigger these days, Mark. 
you know, because of all the mm. cow cow hormones. There's cow progesterone, there's cow estrogen, and we've got way too much estrogen in our environment already, you know, from from a whole range of things. Um, so, you know, and as I said, all these hormones intend to fatten up baby cows. So, you know, I think that's that's just a, a, a an accident waiting to happen as well. Some something that we don't sort of think about too consciously. Don't always think we have about, a, yeah. a thick shake or a bowl of ice cream, Peter. That's exactly right. To when you are FM one hundred three point seven, as we continue with health and wellbeing, and Peter Mullins here, and uh, Peter, we've been talking about milk this afternoon, and uh, your thoughts on why we potentially may want to look at an alternate to milk. And because uh, one of the big questions is, well, milk is a calcium source, tick, so if we don't have the milk, we won't have the calcium. But there are some alternatives to that, and you'd like to expand on that further. Yeah, look, definitely. Like, it's it's really only been since we've had, you know, the dairy industry and refrigeration that milk's really got this big push about calcium. And milk does contain, you know, a fair amount of calcium. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some questions around how well we absorb calcium from milk because of the fact that milk also contains phosphorus and calcium phosphorates, phosphorus like a, quite a bit can be excreted in the urine rather than be absorbed. So it may not be the best source of calcium that you know we thought. Um, I'm I'm not against um not against is the wrong word, but like there are some good quality yogurts. So if people are still going to have dairy, looking at some alternatives, then um, a good long fermented yogurt, um, particularly if you can use like an un, un homogenized milk. Um, we were talking in the break about raw milk and and i don't know that it's illegal or legal to sell but um you know in a lot of um european countries they sort of make long fermented which just means they take a long time to ferment it but they use raw milk which hasn't because when we pasteurize milk we possibly destroy a lot of the the enzymes and the the health properties as well so we as we get rid of the good stuff yeah, in Maybe. some respects, yeah. So but um, it, just generally, so so a really good quality yogurt, and but particularly if you're making it yourself, is probably the best bet. So what about if we're just like, you know, what that's that's too hard for me. No, I just like my milk. I like the milk as either as a drink or as in a cup of tea or coffee. Do we have some alternatives there? Yeah, absolutely. So as an alternative to milk, if you still like that milky taste or you want to get some of the nutrition, um, like calcium, you can try something like almond milk. Mm-hmm. And um, you can buy it on the shelf, but it's fairly easy to make as well. You know, just using um, organic um, raw almonds that you blend up. You add so much water, you you drain it through a nut bag. So a nut bag's like a calico bag that you put it all in and squeeze the last of it out. And you can make up a couple of litres really quite easily. You can add, throw a date in or some vanilla if you want to give it a little Something bit of taste. Something to give you that sweet sound. That yeah. was sweet. There was um, one type of milk I used to love. I used to love, there was one brand of oat milk. And the particular company, I know we're straying off course, a particular company had it. And then they it disappeared from the supermarket. Then it was only in this one type of supermarket. And I was like, I was drinking it by the dozen. And it just disappeared completely. And it was like, oh. I find something and it disappears. <laughs> you liked. Yeah. Well, you just got with it with a lot of those those um, commercial books. You just got to check the sugar content as well. Oh, I liked it, so it was probably uh, it was probably sugar. probably too good. <laughs> um, so yes, you can get your almond milk. You can get like um, coconut milk. Mm. You know, for some people, yeah. coconut milk. If you if you're having a cup of tea, and you can put a bit of coconut milk in it, or you can get a like a coconut and almond milk. Um, blended together that's quite nice as well so if you if you do want to try your kids off dairy for a period of time there's some great alternatives and if you can if you can digest dairy not to like quite well 
Um, even things like some of the goat's products might be okay. You can maybe try some goat cheese rather than commercial cow's cheese. Are there some other, I guess, moving away from the dairy-esque type of products, just generally in our food chain, is there some other things that we can beef up our calcium level in there? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, when we look at calcium, like the um, there are, as I was saying, good levels in in dairy products. So if you do have some good quality yogurt, if you do even sheep yogurt or sheep feta or sheep cheese or goat yogurt or goat cheese. Um, uh, so things like tofu, if you like tofu, if you're into soy products, I'm not a massive fan of soy, but non-genetically modified good quality soy products are quite good um, or quite good sources. Um, things like your eggs are good sources of calcium. Um, tahini, so with kids, tahini is made from ground sesame seeds. I love that. Yeah, oh, tahini is a great source of calcium. There's a there's 1,160 grams of calcium in 100 grams of um, whole sesame seeds. So blend that up. That's what we make tahini from is um, um, sesame seeds. Yeah, thank you, Peter. Uh, duck meat, um, almonds, chicken, Brazil nuts, sunflower seeds. Um, salmon and sardines. You know when your mum used to open the tin of salmon and mash all the bones up because before you could pick them out. I always have to, no. I always have to have the bones taken out. If when you can I mash the mash the bones in, that's a great source oh, of so calcium. So you're saying it's the bones. Okay. It's the bones. Um, sardines, um, fish in general, uh, and then your green stuff. You know, like your green, like your baby spinach. Um, uh, foods like kale, like anything that all your leafy greens. If you think about where cows get their calcium from, they get it all from eating grass. So there's plenty of calcium in our in our um, fresh fresh vegetables and fresh salad type stuff as well. So um, it really is out there. Uh, we don't have to just stick with the the milk or the ice cream. We, no, we really absolutely. have some other options. Absolutely, even things like um, broccoli. You know, there's 103 grams of calcium in 100 grams of broccoli. So you know that would that look it all adds up in your day. So if you're eating a wide pumpkin and squash, you know, have fifty one grams of calcium. So there's definitely calcium in a lot of our um fruit and vegetables and you know, your chicken and your fish and your little bit of red meat and um your nuts and seeds, your tahini on your salad dressings, on your gluten free toast. Peter, good. I haven't even had lunch yet. It all sounds very nice, but it's an interesting discussion to have and some, uh, I guess, food for thought for, for many of us this morning. Thanks for your time, as always. My pleasure, Mark. <laughs> Areas Health and Wellbeing with Peter Marlin. He'll be back next. Oh, let's find out. What are we talking about next week? Is Are we going off the actual list? Yeah? Well, let's, let's, yeah, let's talk about um, magnesium next week. Let's do that. Health and Wellbeing, 2NURFM 103.7. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.